Welcome back to Season 7 of Sunday Night Teacher Talk. This show is a live Q&A show that happens every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for one purpose, to help you be the teacher that you're called to be, the teacher that you always dreamed of being. We recognize that Sundays can be the most stressful day of the week in the education world, so we gather as a community to prepare together for the upcoming week. Enjoy the show. So then it does that and it echoes. I don't know how to make that better. So the sorry about this. Oh, can we do it on our phone? Instead of using this, let's I do our phone. Try. Do you have to get down download stream? I think out? I have it already. Oh great. No. Oh, someone said it's good. If it's all good, let me know. If it's good, let me know in the comments. We keep getting a weird echoey thing. Oh, we're um, good now. All right. All cool. right. Yay. I have no idea what changed. <laughs> Let's go. Um, Don't touch it. So thing. we'll take any questions that you have uh, regarding education or beyond. Because, look, I mean, it. it is. Um, I, I, I was listening to, to something today. And, and this gentleman, when we talk about, like, when we talk about education, when we talk about doing a good job in education, one of the things I think that teachers forget, and we talked about this a little bit last week, this idea where you have to you have to become better, right? That's what we're doing here. That's why we're on here is to be better. And when we are being better, then we can do better, right? So you have to start with you have to you have to be better. Then you can do better. Then you can I'm laughing at comments. Maisha, she said, the people who will listen to this on the podcast will be so confused. Yes, they will. We apologize, yeah. podcast listeners. At least the people on here are, right now, there's trees. So to, <laughs> you have to be better so you can do better. Then you can have better. Then you can have the classes you want. You can have the lessons you want. You can have the what you want. You can't just show up and expect that it's going to happen. And so that's the beauty of being on here is that even if you just come on, I don't even want to minimize it like even just. If you're showing up and answering questions, asking questions, or listening, it is all meant to build us up and to make us into better versions of ourselves uh, in the classroom and beyond. So uh, go ahead and drop a question in the question section. You can write Q next to it or question. Um, I'll answer any question that I can. Uh, yeah, because now now this works. All right. Well, I found a question. So all we're right. just going to start here Hit and then I'll keep scrolling through to see if I find any others. Um Jocko is up first asking, I have a few people in my life who looks down on me for being a teacher, money, status, et cetera. Did you experience anything similar, Reynolds, and how do you handle this? Uh, that's a good question. Look down on you? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that anybody has actually said that to us, but I will say that that coming from a family that, you know, New Jersey's really expensive, and we've we've lived our fair share of issues and it's hard when the primary, the head of household is a teacher. Cause right. Look at most educators are female and are they like, they're the secondary like partner to, they're not just the only single income. Right. And so in our case, we ended up having to have CJ be it's um, the sole income because of, 
you know, I couldn't, my kid was in fifth grade reading on a kindergarten reading level and I couldn't get the school district to, this is the real truth, right? I couldn't get the school district to uh, meet his needs. And it went all the way to trying to sue the school. And that you learn in New Jersey is a very, very difficult, they make it very difficult. And the goal is to bleed parents dry, right? And so we, I finally realized like, oh, this is how kids get to ninth grade and don't know how to read or read on second and third grade reading levels. And I said, there's no way that I'm going to let that happen. Going so, a little right here. I know, but no, but it, my story, like that's part of my story, right? And part of our story. And that's part of how this YouTube channel even exists. Okay. Facts. Um, gotcha. It came because we stumbled onto this because our kid wanted to do YouTube. Right. And then he was bored of it, but ultimately it came down to, mm -hmm. I needed to step down from my job and stay home to help meet my kids needs and to teach them to read um and because of that you became the sole income of our home and See. teaching was doesn't meet the needs when you live in new jersey <laughs> i'm sure it doesn't elsewhere either because even though your cost of living goes down like your income level goes down as well like so if yeah. you're the whole head of household in a in a teaching position it's difficult and so I'm not so sure anybody ever verbally said anything to us, but I no. definitely felt, at least on our end, yeah. like it felt difficult. It was like we picked a job that couldn't meet our needs and was a Didn't financial money, difficult strain on you us. You can't afford to do stuff. You can't afford to go places. You can't afford to like we were talking about years ago. Uh, man, we were broke as a, as Myron says. We were yeah. broke as a joke and ready to choke. <laughs> we were driving home from this house. This is my aunt's house. We're staying at. And uh, my car broke down on the highway on the way home, right? I knew my car was in bad shape, but yeah. I really wanted to come to the Poconos, really wanted to bring my son. And we had to end up getting picked up by the cops on the way home, get my car towed, get my family to pick me up at the rest stop. It was, it was a whole mess. I think it's that income piece that really was, if anything, I felt some type of way about. And I feel like maybe there was some family stuff there, too. Other than that, I think it was the type of school that I chose to teach at, right? So it was like, because I've only taught in like more difficult neighborhoods, are the neighbors here all of a sudden? No. I, right, I just heard someone chilling out there. So um, I think because of where I chose to teach, there were some, some feelings about that. Now I say this, Jocko, I, I don't really talk about this very often, but like, um, I feel like when my YouTube channel came out and some of my family or my book, like I remember, I remember my aunt reading, my aunt read my book and she was like, I had no idea. I had no idea you were doing any of this stuff. And that, and that looks no shade to her at all. Like how are you going to know what I'm doing? But, um, but I remember one time my, one of my students, Romina, who is currently pet sitting for us and wrote the forward to my book she we I, she and i were going somewhere and we had to stop over my grandmother's real quick <clears throat> my grandmother was like who is this and i said this is romina and she said oh hi how do you know my grandson and she said well i was a student in his class my grandma was just like what like mm -hmm. what and later she told me she was like that young woman was so lovely she was so nice and and i don't know what my grand thought we're out like what was going on but um it was it was something so th that's kind of like my roundabout answer but you know I i'll say this dude like even if you feel like folks 
are potentially dogging you for who you are and for what you choose to do. It's ultimately, if you know that you're in your purpose, if you know that you're doing the thing that you're meant to do, I, I've often felt like, if anything, there's a little bit of jealousy because people see how hard you work and they see how happy you are. They see how important something is to you. So this isn't even to say that I never got angry or, or mad about school and stuff. Like I've been mad plenty of times, but it's because I care so much. And I see people looking at what you're doing and there's a feeling about that. That's like, that's like something that people wish they had, you know, instead of just being mad at their boss for giving them crappy hours or something. I think teaching is so hard because there's so many people like your aunt that said like, Oh, I had no idea. Like, and how can no anybody, people don't know what teachers go through yeah. in a classroom, what all the, there's so many facets. Like yeah. it's not just teaching. That's such a, yeah, it's just, it's that, not just teaching. You know, it's another one. <laughs> when I used to do big guy, little car on Instagram. Mm. So big guy, little car was a, show that i did stupid show that i did with like three students it was said, stupid it was silly well it was silly, silly. and we i used to drive these dudes home every day from school and um i had lots of friends and family that were like what are you doing this kids in your car i'm like driving them home they're like there's students i'm like yeah they're like they're hilarious and i said yeah uh, you know mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna bring that's who i hang with all day there's lots of great students okay are you ready for next yeah question? hit it all right. Um, Galaxy far, far away. Nice. Uh, asking question. What are your tips for a prospective long-term sub? Um, I think you have to treat it just like a teaching job. Don't treat it. Don't. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you like this. My daughter had a long-term sub last year and I'm going to tell you what went wrong. And then I'm going to tell you how I would have right made it right and i don't put this on this dude because i don't know that he was given the support that he that he should have had in the school but they he he didn't do anything fun he wasn't interesting kids literally sat there and copied crap from a copied stuff from a book from all textbook. day and did like meaningless online exercises and it was it was disguised as education but and then the kids would ask, like, why don't we do anything fun? Why don't we do anything cool? And he would always say, like, well, it's not my fault. It's the school's fault. And to, I, I, I buy that to some degree. But I don't think that gets you out of, out of doing the work. I would show up and care for kids. I would show up and get to know who they are. Don't treat it like you're going to be gone by Christmas or Valentine's Day or the end of the year, right? Treat it like this is like this matters to these kids because this is their only year in that grade anyway, right? For most of them. And so really putting in the time and the effort and building the relationship. So like, you know, anything you see here on this channel or, or things that you're reading in books, like really put it into practice and go hard, right? Like, and if, even if you're not going to stay at that school, sometimes long-term sub gigs, they, people realize like that you, you, made something out of nothing in that scenario uh don't overwork yourself don't go nuts like find resources online find resources in books uh and and use those to not have to like give all of your time to this because you're gonna need you're gonna need to be able to give time to yourself especially if you're figuring this out and if it's a long-term sub position um 
and don't be afraid to experiment that. And this is for all teachers. Like it takes so much courage to experiment in the classroom, but really showing up and like trying stuff, try to have fun. And if it doesn't go well, you have to, you will get better, right? You will learn to be better so you can do better. So you can have better. And learning to do that is going to be what just makes you better at anything in your life. So if we want our students to go above and beyond, we have to be able to go more above and beyond than any of them. You want your kids to be nice and work hard. You got to be nicer and work harder than everyone. So start that now by really giving it all that you can uh, this year. Get excited about it and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Show up here every Sunday and let us help you if you need to or go to our Facebook group. And that's a great place to connect with people as well. Um, and yeah, that's that's what, how I would kick it. All right. Our next question is coming from Liz asking, first day back tomorrow, how do you organize your paper flow? I have three preps and I feel like I have paper everywhere. So I have a place for everything and everything in its place and it doesn't leave. So so here's what it looks like, Liz. Students come into my class. They get an assignment. As soon as I collect that assignment, it goes, it gets a paper clip on it and it goes into that period's like little file area. Or, um, so I've done this two different ways. That way has worked fine. Or it goes into like a basket that is to file or to grade. So all papers to grade are in one place with a paper clip. And I have every student writes their name on it. And in the top right corner, they write uh, what period they're in. So just in case it gets mixed up, if you don't give me both those two things, I give you your paper back so you fill it out correctly. And then I'll, then I'll accept it. Um, so I, and I don't touch those papers. I don't hand papers out almost ever students hand them out and I don't collect them. Students collect them. So I don't touch them. If they see that the proper information is not at the top, you know, you got to put this on the top four rounds takes it in. Then they know where the paper clips are. They put the paper clip on there and then they disseminate those, those papers to, or put them in the right place that they're supposed to go. Um, and then I try to get papers back immediately. I don't want a whole bunch of stuff. So I find quick um, and very, very quick and easy ways to grade. I don't grade for everything on every paper. I grade for what is needed instead of all the things. And I have a bunch of videos on how you can do that. Like for instance, multiple choice questions, I would never spend my time grading those. If a student's not doing it, then I have um, an app that I'm gonna use and you can oftentimes get your school to pay for it. So I did one with a company called Remark Test Grading last year, uh, a brand deal with them. And they have this awesome app, you just scan it and it grades it and you can even connect it so that it goes, we're in nature here. <laughs> you can connect it so that it goes into PowerSchool or, or Schoology or whatever your online platform is and uploads your grades already. So it's always, it's taking the long time on the front end to figure out the system to, to set up like the grading with the app, the upload to the system. I'd rather take the two to three hours if it's gonna take that to set that up because then it's easy for the rest of the year. And, but that's how I'm built. I'm a systems guy. Like I love systems. I think, I, look, I'm not a systems person. So, but I will say, I see the like importance and need for systems. The, like well, because yeah. we're so awkwardly close. It yeah. feels like, um, I feel like I've recognized in my life of, as our business has grown and I still have all the responsibilities, like, no, I need systems in place because if I don't, yeah. uh, I don't get, I don't get it all done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I hate that answer. Stop. You're so weird. <laughs> okay. Uh, summer is up next. Yeah. Uh, asking, 
Uh, I have a first year teacher in two of my classes. She is the teacher of record in one and shadowing in the other. She struggles with class management and I step in to help, but it's becoming me as the, hold on, second part. You know where this is going. Uh-huh, as the disciplinarian and she is the fun one. How do I support without cutting her legs from under her? I can't, I can't leave the room completely because they go wild. So Summer, I'm going to tell you right now, it's exactly what needs to happen. Uh, leave the room. <laughs> I, I thought someone was going to ask, how do you teach in 112 degree heat? But, um, I, I think it's, I'm trying to cut that sun out of there. So mm-hmm. not blinding people. Um, to me, I had, I've had, uh, any number of teachers started years ago. I had this young woman, she was brand new. She was through teach for America. Um, and was like, I don't play with the kids. Like I don't play. And she did not like my silliness at all. I think it offended her. She thought it was so inappropriate that I would like shake kids hands with like a little hand in my sleeve. Like I'd have like this little baby hand and shake kids hands. And she was like, that is so disrespectful. When I would blow bubbles, she just like got so aggravated that I was blowing bubbles with kids. So she um, also didn't like how I handled classroom management. And we had all the kids that got kicked out all the, I had all the problems. The, the, not just kids with like IEPs, 504, 504s, um, kids that had like emotional disturbances, like it ran the gamut, but then they would just be like, this kid has failed third, ninth grade. He's on his third time, put him in Reynolds class. And it was like, oh my gosh, so we have like 32 kids in the class. And the way that I did classroom management was a lot through um, like playful sarcasm, like, like, you getting kids out of their seats and doing a lot of stuff. And she did not want to roll like that. So instead um, she would just get really aggravated at me. And so one day I missed class and she was like, I I think I was out for something. And she was like, maybe IP meeting or something. And I come back and she goes, she goes, you can never miss class again. I said, (laughs) why, what, what the hell happened? Cause I thought she, I I was slightly afraid that she was going to, love having complete and total control and she was going to run it and it was going to be like smooth sailing. And she goes, nobody listened to me. No one did any work. It was Mm. madness. I walked in and I was like, did my like, all right, y'all, I need your attention in five, four, three, two. And everyone got quiet. And she was like, yep, never, you can never miss class again. And then I've had that happen with a number of people because I think that that happens by and large, right? That's something we as parents have really had to try and work on is like, for me not to be the fun one. And then she's the one that I'm like, the is disciplinary and stuff like that. <laughs> but it's so it's, it's difficult, but I think it's, it, they have to cut their teeth a little bit. Right. Cause you know that if you have a, if you have a class on lock, like if you, if Miss Hayward is there and class is on lock, um, it has to be both. And I've had to learn how to do that with every single so what do you person. do? She's asked to chase in the I, comments. I think, like, do I leave her or like I think have the conversation and then leave her to like you can you can what I would do is like maybe there's some small group testing that you have to handle one day. Maybe there's um a kid that you choose to work on one on one. Find a reason to not be in the classroom. But I think that's only part of it. It's also you have to have the difficult conversation. Um that you're doing her a disservice and she's doing herself a disservice if she does not learn how to do this effectively because Next year, if you're not there, then what's she going to do now? Now it's going to be now 
it's she's gonna have, she's gonna have this false sense of confidence as to where she is. And I've had teachers do this with me. They test with me. They um, look. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm really good at classroom management. And when I'm not with people anymore, they're like, "Oh, oh, Ren- oh, wait, what the hell's going on here? It's it's a mess." And so it's really working, like having that conversation with folks. Um, and then don't, don't do the, like, while she's, so I, I love the, the dynamic of like, you're both teaching the class, you teach a part, then she teaches a part. When she's teaching a part, you're not doing classroom management. You're sitting with a kid. You're making sure someone understands it. You're, you're making sure someone understands the guide notes and where to go. You're not like running around like whack-a-mole so she can have a great experience. That shouldn't be the plan anyway. So it's let her feel some of that. Don't be so quick to jump in. And I say that as someone that likes to fix things, Summer. Like mm. if my little girl has a problem with something, I, daddy wants to jump in immediately. <laughs> and I do that with people too. And I have to learn how to hold my breath sometimes. And not so that they have a bad day. You want them to feel that struggle a little bit so that they can start asking the right questions of like, how do I handle this? How do I get this under Yeah, it's under the only control? way people grow. I'm- yeah. you have to feel again it's unfortunate (laughs) all the things that are like necessary and good for us are never easy no but that's it right like everything you want is on the other side of heart yeah and so letting them feel a little bit of that difficulty i don't think is is a bad thing because you got them you're not gonna let them drown right like like no kids are gonna come and start sword fighting in class or something like that right you're there but it's it's you know talking after class about hey i saw this happen today can i just give you a couple of pieces of advice of how you might be able to handle this in the future because next year if we're not together i really want you to be able to handle this john says jen i need to don't mess with me shirt she does <laughs> oh, oh goodness Starts okay the head thing uh, yeah okay kp is asking next uh is it okay to have uh, i love this question is it okay to have favorite students and is is it okay to dislike some students yes I I have favorite students. All Romina knows that she's my favorite student of all time. Of all time? Yeah. You're putting all your other students no. out on play. So I'd say this, right? It's kind of like kidding. when you have kids, right? And Brody, I don't have my, a favorite. My, our son likes to tell us that <laughs> my da- our daughter is our favorite child. Um, and she's, she's sitting she's right sitting, over she's, there. She's, she's <laughs> um, I think you love different kids for different reasons. You like different kids for different reasons. And sometimes you just jive with a kid better than you do with other other students. And so I have had any number of kids that have been like, so I'd say some of my favorites, like, you know, Donovan has a part in the book. Genesis has a part in the book. Romina. Um, there's a lot of wonderful students. There's a lot know. of like mm-hmm. great, like Joe. Um, Rianne, who nobody even knows, yeah, but yeah, like, she, we love her. Yeah. She's wonderful. So there's all these Be kids, Colleen, um, that I you just get a sense that it was you were meant to have those students. You were meant to connect with them. And I've had even a number of students that like I couldn't stand, man. Freaking like guys that like I don't talk about. Um, and that could be for any number of reasons, right? That could be because I just got mad that I didn't have what it took to connect with that student. It was like they, other people babied them or something like that and just drove me crazy. But you're, I'm not, I'm there to do the work. For some kids, I'm there to do the work. 
hand out the assignment, teach the lesson, connect with the student, try and make a dynamic learning experience for everyone. I'm not there to be like the one for every kid. And when I say the one, I don't mean like a savior or, or, or something like that, but it is like- Or their favorite teacher. Yeah, like I'm not trying to be, I don't try to be anyone's favorite teacher. Um, I, I, but what I want is there's some kids that you just connect with more. So Ramina hated me. Part of the reason that she's one of my favorites is she hated me. And then we both, we both grew over the four years that she was in high school into a place where now we're connected for life. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is why I she's mean, feeding my dog right now. And she started working for us yeah. with us. I don't yeah. want to say for us, but she would say that. I guess. Uh, are we ready? Was that, are you done? Yeah. Okay. Nassim is up next asking any recommendations for an untenured, for untenured teachers? Uh, you know, don't wait to be the teacher you always dreamed of yeah, being. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I like, I can say this. I, I, that's why I'm holding, I'm holding my breath for a second. Cause I don't want to just say this like off the cusp, but I don't, I never have played games in education. I don't play the games of like, what do I need to do to, unless it's like certain PD hours, uh, certain things like that, that are required to like keep your job or do well. But like, um, I don't, it's like, Steve, like Steve, Steve, uh, Martin said, be so good. They can't ignore you. And I'm not being good so that they see what I'm doing. Nine times out of 10, my school doesn't even know it's even happening in my classroom. But I am being great because I want kids to have a great experience. I'm, I'm trying to be great because I want to have fun in school. I want to do a good job. So it's just keep showing up and doing great work. And if you are not kept by that school, if they don't give you tenure, then somebody else will. Like use that school for like, like. It's what it ends up becoming is practice. When I went to West Philly, I felt like I gave my all when I taught in, in my first school in Camden, New Jersey. And it, and it, I was not always even good there. Like sometimes I was just fun. And I, that was a lesson I had to learn. That's a whole nother conversation. But um, I felt like when I got to Philly, I had warmed up for five years. I had the ability to to run now. And I had practiced in all these different ways and built my confidence up in all these different ways. And like, I just think that you just try, like try, try to be the best that you possibly can. And look, here's the thing with that too, bro. That doesn't look like what anybody else is doing. Not even like what you're watching on YouTube from anyone. You can see aspects of people that you want to maybe emulate or be like, or something like that. But no one is the be all end all forever. You need to be the type of teacher that you know your call to be that you were meant to be that you dreamed of being and i think that that should look like instead of emulating a band it's i think of it more as like when this idea i talk about in my book of teaching like a dj um what what elements are you bringing in that you're going to spin into the master playlist and then how are you putting that on that's what i would think about so yeah just go hard and have super fun time and be courageous and know that you're you're doing what you're doing for your students. 
All right. Miss L is up next asking, how do you carve out time for a side hustle? I tend to hyper-focus on all things teaching and seems like so much to do. I struggle uh, to multitask, but I want to try a few other ideas and hobbies. Yeah, this is a great idea. So one, I don't multitask ever. I am where my feet are. So by and large, right? I'm not perfect at that. Uh, I want to say, because even while we've been up here in the mountains, have I been checking my YouTube studio and doing some comments and checking my views and making sure things are dialed in and right? Yes. Have I been sending stuff to my uh, wonderful new social media director, Gabe's, who's been putting out all this awesome stuff for us online? Yes. Uh, do I talk to my wife about business when we're just sitting out here on this beautiful deck, like chilling? I do. Uh, to the point where my daughter goes, are you guys talking, you guys are talking about business again? You guys are really, <laughs> we're like canoeing yesterday. And she's like, are you, you guys are really talking about business right now? Well, I'm like, yes. Know, we can't help when ideas pop up well, in your head. And it's know? fun. I really, I enjoy doing yeah. this immensely. I would say if you want to find time to do something, you got to plan it out, right? It's got to become part of the rhythm, not the routine. And what's, so what's the, what's the difference? Routines are no matter what, this is what I do every single day, right? Like it is like you're hardcore. That's important. That's a discipline. But it's like, if I don't do, if I, have it and I do it at four from four to five every single day. And then you miss that. You beat yourself up rhythms. You can go start four fifteen, go to five fifteen, but you want to build it into the rhythm and just make sure you're doing it. And remember this, that when you get hyper focused on education, it's the pouring back into yourself. That's going to help you do a better job. So if you are not doing great, um, then if you, if you're not at rather, let me say it like this, if you're not pouring back into yourself, you don't have anything to give. So don't think of that hobby or that side hustle or that whatever it is as extra as not as important. It's actually incredibly important that, um, I, I've read something like entrepreneurs that have a hobby do better than those that do not, that those that just think about their whatever their business is 24 seven. Um, it's people that are like, ha like do anything else and have mm -hmm. a hobby doing it. They actually do better because it gives your time, oh, yeah, your brain literally time to rest um, and to, and, and quiet space to come up with ideas. Right. Which is why we always get ideas in the shower because you finally have a moment to like be by yourself or when you're driving in your car. Yeah. Or if you're dad, idea. when you're going to the bathroom, <laughs> So, all right. Uh, Bernie Frost is up next. Why do you say it all weird like that? I don't know. I didn't say it's it a weird. great name. It, it sounds is. like a like a television character. Um, I'm in my first year of teaching Reynolds. It has been a fantastic experience thus far. However, I am very young. I'm a very young teacher. How can I affirm parents on back to school night? I look young at well as well. Um, oh, I'm okay. Uh, I am very nervous and fear that parents will judge me and not trust me due to looking so young. First of all, let's just sit on the fact of this, right? Quick. As a mom, I just want to say I've never judged. I think the only judgment comes that I've ever experienced on a young teacher is not that they're um, that they're incapable of teaching my child. I always wondered, like, if you haven't had a child yet do you fully understand children, right? That's more of what it's about than it's your ability to teach a child. It's about, do you understand behaviors of children and like 
all the different things that they go through. And that comes with having kids, right? So yes. that's, that's the only ever disconnect I've ever, and, or concern I've really had with um, young educators that were teaching my children. My teaching changed drastically when we had kids. Yeah, impact. And for when sure. we learned that our kids had learning differences, yes. it changed everything. Yep. So I would say this, Bernie, I have this um, thing that I talk about with, uh, sorry, I keep thinking someone's pulling up in the driveway. Um, I have this idea that I keep, that I talk about often where I tell uh, teachers to send an email home, or you can even do this at back to school night. You could do it, make it a handout and say, I want to know these three things about your, your kid. One, what's something I should know about your child that I'm not going to learn from an IEP or a 504 plan. Two, what is your kid's favorite class ever and why? And three, what is your kid's least favorite class ever and why? And what you're looking for are clues right there. Doing that is a not acknowledging more than even the answers. You are acknowledging that a parent knows more about their child yeah. than you do. Your child, your you are, you are saying without words that your parents that the parents are the experts about their children, and I think that's really important. I think it's also when you have an issue with a kid, calling up home, calling home and saying, "Hey, listen, this is something I'm noticing in class, and I'm wondering." Um, if your child has ever had a hard time, like paying attention before or reading before or participating or, or being vocal. And if there's anything that's worked with that before. So instead of calling home and like oftentimes teachers just like want to damn kids or put them down or get them in trouble, you're asking questions. So what you're doing there is I, I almost love when, like when parents, when I feel like a parent for some reason looks at me, like they don't even know like, like if I'm going to be a good teacher or they like, I just get that vibe from them where they're like, oh, what are you, what are you going to do? I love that because I know that no one else is going to send that email home. I know that no one else, even if there's a problem with your kid and you come into the school and tell parents all the time, let me just tell you first, I'm so excited that you're here. That when back to school night comes, it is the first thing I want you to know is not I'm a first year teacher. I never, I would never tell them that it is. I want you to know before we even get started that I am so glad to be your kid's teacher this year and I want to help them have the greatest year possible. And even if they don't like this subject, even if they don't like math, history, English, whatever, I want them to hate this English class less than every other class. Maybe you could leave that out. You have to have the right, you have to have the right ability to pitch that joke. But if there's anything you need from me all year, just let me know. I just want your kid to have a great year. I want them to learn a lot. I want them to enjoy coming to school. Um, and I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited to work with all of you. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I know you could be anywhere else and doing all kinds of stuff. And then tell them how great the year is going to be. We're going to learn this. We're going to do this. We're going to grow in this area. We're going to do all this cool stuff. We're going to go. And, and this is how class is going to run every day. Show them how exciting it is because energy is contagious. And that's the class they're going to walk out and go, either that man is a lunatic or that teacher is awesome. And I'll take both of them. I take both of them over. They're boring or they're hard. And I said this on a video I recently, maybe my last video I had come out, where you ever notice like teachers that are really like difficult, right? I'm not saying challenging or rigorous. I'm saying the ones that they're like, do you ever uh, like, no one ever passes that teacher's class. They're, they're such a good teacher. Uh, it's so hard. The kids never pass their final. It's like, are they really that good of a teacher then? Like, do you ever think about that? Like, 
like just because everyone like or i'd say the majority of students do well in my class does that mean my class is too easy or does it just mean that i try to do a better job teaching your kid so it's i i would just be mindful of that as well um it is uh showing that excitement and if nothing else dude you're last you get to be mr frost that sounds like the most awesome name ever what's up everybody i wish my name was mr frost with this hair right it would be the greatest <laughs> all right uh mira is up mira to the lagos Good, good job there. I think. <laughs> okay, CJ, have you ever had? Anyway, have you ever it. had students uh, show you support the same way you support them? Hope you're doing good, growing big, nonstop. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story about this. Uh, you love stories. I, I think I told this in my book. Um, Kyle was a student uh, on the spectrum. Kyle never smiled because it, when Kyle was in middle school, he got teased for. I think I. Yeah. Anyway, Kyle was in middle school he got teased because he smiled all the time and so kyle is one of these students that every once in a while i get a student like this where they do not have they just they lack the ability to have comebacks so if someone makes fun of them if someone says something mean um they it's like i don't know if it's a processing thing or or if they're just like they just don't think that way they don't think in the form of comebacks they but kind of get stuck like a deer in headlights and then kids would jump on to that bandwagon and keep making fun of them and once i notice that this is happening i will either tell i've told whole classes or i tell individual students that listen this is what you need to know listen kyle is off limits right so i'm telling you right now that no one messes with kyle if they if you do we are going to have a serious problem and i will take this to the ends of the earth to make sure that it doesn't happen well I'll, if i have to sit down with the principal and your parent I mean, I'm, I'm not trying, like, sometimes I tell that story and people are like, do, like what? I'm like, I'm not going to fight a kid in the parking lot. I'm just talking about like, I'm going to make sure that your parents hear about it all the time. I'm going to make sure that th that kid is ultimately supported. And then I built this like kind of team of kids that like, and this happens with all kinds of students, not just any, just like a certain type of kid. Uh, but if I have really quiet students, what I'll do is I assign other students in the hallway. I'll say, yo, listen. This is Kyle over here. Um, so we're all eating at lunch. Kyle's eating at lunch in my room. I go, yo, listen, y'all, this is Kyle over here. If you see Kyle, he's having a hard time, like just sort of assimilating into the school. You see him in the hallway. Do me a favor. Just say, what's up. Just say hi, Kyle. And cause I want him to feel seen. You don't have to hang out with him. You don't have to eat lunch with him. You don't have to be his best friend. Just say hi. And it usually goes further than that. Cause then they say hi. And then they're like, what's up? Like, what, what are you doing today? Or like, what do you do after school or whatever? And now, that kid feels like a part of the school culture and, and that, that starts to build relationships. The bigger point here is that Kyle was off limits. Um, and Kyle doesn't know this. Uh, and I tell the kids like, they're not really supposed to say anything about it. It's just supposed to be like kind of looking out for dudes. But, um, because ultimately what happens is Kyle, when he's a senior, will be put in charge of someone else as well. So we're in class one day, someone's teaching in my classroom. Kyle comes in during my lunch period and teachers teaching in there. Usually this does not happen. So this is going against Kyle's rhythm. He's not really certain about what's happening in there. He comes in, he sees me in the back of the class. I said, Kyle, it's all good. Come back here to my, to my desk. He's walking across the room and trips over the computer charger, which pulls the computer charger. It rips the speakers off the wall. And this is in a class that this teacher is teaching 
and they lost it because the movie went off, the speakers come off the wall, the papers fell on the floor. Kyle's like, oh, <laughs> what is even happening right now? And the kids all start yelling at him. The teacher starts yelling at him. Well, Joe, who's a kid in my class, and Joe's story is in my book as well. Joe is a very cool man. Talk about I just want tough to kids. Pause real fast. In the comments, they play this game where, like, if every time you mention the book, they say drink. Oh, yeah. And take John drink. is like, I can't drink this much. Or Chris did it. Chris said it this You week. should play a different <laughs> game where they, like, give me a nickel. Uh, so they. They're drinking tea. When they. When. Kyle knocks the stuff down and everyone starts yelling. Joe stands up and I do not condone cursing in my class, but Joe stands up and goes, yo, shut the F up. And I'm like sitting there like, oh, what's about to happen? He goes, uh, he goes, Kyle's off limits. And everyone got quiet. And Joe goes, goes, Joe walks up, takes Kyle by the arm and brings him back to my desk sits him down and goes kyle you good and kyle is like yeah joe thank you very thank you very much he's really also very very polite <laughs> thank you very much joe thank you very much and then we calmed kyle down we sat back there and then joe went just back to like doing what he was doing and i just thought that to me so like here's to your question Mira. like that no one said that thing to me but to stand up for the for that truth that we held as something we believed, a value we believed in as a class and to stand up for another student and show that value like out loud in front of everybody, no matter what the consequences were, was like remarkable. And is one of my favorite things I've ever witnessed in the classroom. It it's is such a heartwarming story it. because Kyle is just so wonderful and adorable. And then Joe is such a, yeah. you wouldn't expect that from him to do that. I yeah. love that. All right. Uh, Daria is up next asking or saying, hello, I'm a native, uh, native, a non-native English speaker. Sorry for not knowing some terminology. I will be a ninth grade head teacher and um, I will meet them on September 1st. Any advice for good first? Oh, Daria, thank you for being here. First of all, I love it. Um, I I would be able to attend anything that was non-native in my own language. So I love that your commitment. Um, I think Daria, my sense is that all teachers have, a you have something, you have someone you want to be when you start teaching, whether that's funny or fun, really caring, committed, um, really helping students be seen that are, that are usually not seen. Maybe it's um, to have a really special classroom that's decorated really well or just giving kids like your full attention when they talk to you. That being a teacher that connects with with parents and creates community in their school and is, a you know, has all these other uh, teachers that are full, like tight community. Whatever that teacher is that you want to be, you need to start being it now from the first day. Right. Like so set those seeds in place. Because the world can't wait. Your students can't wait for you to grow into the teacher that you want to be. Now, look, here's the side. The flip side of that is you're always growing. You never arrive. You always get better and better and better till till you're done. And so constantly be getting better. Constantly be listening to people. Don't be so committed to your to what you think. Don't be afraid to ask the question if you're of whether or not a value or belief or something is still 
relevant. It's it's okay to ask the question, right? I, I've I've asked that question about any number of values I have in the about things in the classroom, but um, it's it is being open to being to growing into that person too. But like, get started now is what I would do, and do it with all the excitement and all the happiness that's in your heart. That when people tell you you're working too much, um. If your intuition's telling you that, that you need to take a break, you need to do something else, you need to take a breath, go for it. But it's like when I was a kid and people would say, why are you listening to that song so much? You're going to get tired of it. Who cares? I'll find another song that I'll get tired of. Like, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm riding this for what it's worth. I'm going to ride this wave of motivation and inspiration until it crashes. I'm not trying to sustain anything. So, because another wave will come along. I think that's so true, especially for like entrepreneurs, right? You get told a lot, they get told a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of work, right? But most of most people who are doing what they do because they love it, they they just love it and it doesn't feel like work. And so you often no. get told like, um, you're working too much, you're doing too much. No, and I like, do too much all the time. And I'll tell you we what. We love it and we know what's too much for us. If as you pay a, attention to it. As a surfer, um, or in my older age, as a boogie boarder, um, <laughs> I... You don't half surf a wave. You don't hold some energy back for the next wave. You don't know what the, when the next wave's coming. You never know how good it's going to be. You ride that wave for all it's worth and put all your heart and, and energy into it. And then um, you'll keep finding things to get excited about. So, yeah. yeah, go get it. All right. Think more is up next. How do you recommend increasing student uh, attendance, lowering student absentees and lateness to class in high school? One of the ways I do it, I really think, is about talking to students. I don't think kids understand the game of education, that I think education in some degree is a game. And I think that anytime we can gamify something, we can do better in it because anything that's measurable is is it's far easier to grow it. And so when I talk to kids about, you know, even so that that's it's talking to them about the game of education. And, you know, for and here's why. How many kids do you have that want to be in the NFL, right? So as a ninth grade teacher, I have all these kids that are 120 pounds or 99 pounds soaking wet. And they're like, no, I'm going to be a linebacker. And so what I did was at one point I went on um, this for all of you in America. If we're talking about American football here. You, you can go online and see like, what are the basic requirements to like be in the NFL? Like how fast do you need to be able to run and all the other stuff you have to be able to do. And I hold that up to kids and I go, so I'll have kids that are in the ninth grade. And I go, all right, you want to be in the NFL? Great, dude. I think that's awesome. How, how exciting. Like, that would be a great job. Um, we do. Are you playing football now? No. Did you play football last year? No, I, I haven't played since sixth grade. All right. So you haven't played in the last two years, um, but you're going to be in the NFL. Are you trying out for the team this year? I'm not really sure. I don't really know if I like our team or not. Okay. So here's the list of requirements to be in the NFL. How many of these do you think you can like you could get to right now if you had to or like show like do pretty well? In? Oh, my God. Oh, I couldn't do any of this. All right. So what we're doing right now is we are not rigging. We're not playing the game right, because if we we're playing the game right, we'd be we'd have a practice in place to be able to get there. We realize that you can't get here right now. Right. This is we're talking about professional athletes right now. But if you can't do 10 pull ups, like y'all better get started doing this. So in ninth grade, I'm not talking about teaching you all the stuff you're going to need to live life. But like, if you can't play to this game, then you can't get to 10th grade and 11th grade and 12th grade. Then you're not going to be able to succeed in college. Cause I'm teaching real life skills here, right? Things that you're going to take into college and beyond. 
and if you can't do that, then, and if you're not even here, then you're missing, you're missing workouts. So you're never going to be as strong as you need to be. Right. So, or if you are, then you're going to have to put more work in later to get there. And I think, so I think it's talking to kids about that game and, and that is a much longer conversation. The other thing that's important is, um, expressing to kids how, how, in, how much, my gosh, that it matters that they're there. Mm. Like, I care that you're here. Like, I love when you come to class. Like, I don't, I don't like when you miss class and then giving them reasons to be there letting them be involved, letting them eat lunch with you, talking with them in the hallway, seeing what's going on at home. Because a lot of times kids are battling things outside of class, whether it's battling themselves, battling depression, battling things that are going on at home. Like, you know, teaching in Philly, like, I mean, you have kids who's like moms were running everyone's mom and not everyone. There's a lot of parents that have like daycares, but it's really just like they babysit a whole bunch of kids. And then um, that's what they need to do to get money. And so you, I have students that like, if there were enough kids at the house that day, they just don't come to school because they have to stay home and help mom run her business. And so then they're missing school. And it's having the conversation with those students about how important it is for them to be there, how much you care that they're there, how they could navigate some other trials in their life so that they, and they can see that ultimately school is going to be the thing that, that, that rocket ships you out of those things, right? That's going to help really be able to help your mom, really be able to help your family and, and you being the one that's going to change everything for generations in your family. Like it only takes, it's really communicating to kids the fact that like, it only takes one person to change the trajectory of your family name forever, but you got to show up and put in work to get there. And that's why I'm, it's so important for me to have a why for every mm. single thing in class because I can't just tell you it's going to be important. I need to explain to you now why this thing is the thing that's going to lead you up for the next step and the next step and the next step. So, yeah, it's it's really it's letting kids know that it matters when you're not here. It hurts my heart when you don't come to school and communicating that to kids. Uh, real fast, I would love to just ask of everybody. We have 72 people watching live and we would love if 72 of you hit the thumbs up to help us out that would be really great yeah it just helps other people to see it that's it we don't make any money from it or anything no. as if i had to justify that but um yeah. yeah if you like it if you find value on it hit the thumbs up yeah. we would appreciate it and i appreciate the people in the comments uh doing the same thing um okay laura's up next asking hi i'm a new teacher this year how do you deal with self-doubt when students and teachers may have criticisms uh so you know headphones on <laughs> well it could be it could be two things laura it could be you know you're doing a great job and i'll tell you what i can only speak from my own experience but i'm going to say this and I, I, actually not just from my own experience because i've seen other people do similar things when you are trying to do great work um everyone loves to see somebody else burn they love to see you like a dumpster fire because Sometimes when you teach, there are certain teachers that have a really, they, they hate that you're doing well. They hate that you're doing better. They hate that they're, that you, the kids like your class more than theirs. It points out their inability to do the same thing. Now I'm not, I'm not in a race with other teachers. I tell people all the time that I want to, I tell kids, I'm like, yo, this is going to be the best class of the year. And you can tell Miss Cho, Mr. Rufo that I said that, but they're my friends and that's playful. Um, I think 
One is inviting people into your awesome that sometimes, you know, it's like, don't have a party and not invite people to it. If you're having a serial party or you're having a great student presentation or you have a speaker come and speak to your class, you're going on a class trip, like invite people and you're awesome. That'll help uh, dissipate some of that, some of that criticism. The other thing is um, one of the things I've really been trying to sit with lately, and this is not something I always knew as a teacher is what if they're right? And how can our haters be our best, uh, educators that if someone if we look at people that dislike what we're doing and see or, or they're pointing out our faults it's like instead of like cringing it's going thank you for that like because you can get better at it you can get better at anything so if someone comes on and, and points out a particular criticism take it to our facebook group and say i keep getting criticized for doing this how can i get better at it and see what people say because you might in fact be able to grow in that particular area and do better. So it's trying to switch your mindset around that. Now, look, as someone who likes pleasing and and has a hard time, uh, I go both ways. It depends on what I'm getting criticism on. Um, but it's, if it's a trusted source, like if it's from my wife saying you're doing this too much, or you're being like this, I have to really try and sit with that and say, is she right in that? So just being thoughtful of that. Um, so, yeah. And look, man, I'll tell you this. The brighter your light gets, the more attention, good and bad, it's going to attract. My pastor constantly talks about the backside of the blessing. So we've noticed lately that on, on YouTube, we've been getting a lot more comments, but there's a lot more negativity coming through also of people that don't like what I'm doing. They think it's stupid. They have some. They don't really understand or know who we are. They yeah. don't like it's they're making a judgment off of one video. Yeah. Right. And so. Or off a title of a video. Right. right. They'll be like. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, it is both me feeling like me returning to my source, me doing the things that fill me up and make me a better person. Um, so I'm always growing as an individual so I can be the person that can do the work that can have the class, but then also knowing that every blessing has a backside. So every, the bigger I, the better I get at anything I do, anything I do, um, the more that light is going to shine, the more like a lighthouse attracts pirates, I would imagine as well. Right. So, uh, I don't really know that. I just made that one up, <laughs> right. It's John Lopez binos, but it's really being mindful of that um, and becoming the person who can, who can stand that kind of stuff too. So that's something I talk about therapy. I'm just going to tell you that one. Um, okay. Jean is up next True. asking, it's, it's going to be my second year teaching, but I'm moving from a 360 uh, student school to a, a 1800 one. And I find this transition terrifying. Any advice on switching schools, especially from a small to big? So, Gene, oh, gosh, here's my piece of advice for you. Um, look at this wife, too. Uh, so yeah, I they, in that school, of all those students, I would imagine when you're teaching 360 students in a school, everybody knows every student, everyone knows their parents. It is a small family, almost. Going to a huge school how many students do not have a point of connection? How many kids 
are invisible? How many ha are have learning differences, disabilities, um, trauma that is going undealt with because no one sees them. They're flying under the radar. And Gene, what if you show up and you see those kids? You start creating community. You start creating your own ragtag bunch of rascals that are uh, of your own island and misfit toys that those kids have a place now to belong, to belong to one another. That's how I would look at that school. Um, in all the madness and all the stuff going on in lunch one day, that kid that can't find a seat that doesn't know where to go. And instead of a teacher going, come on, yo, sit down. Come on, you got to get into a seat going, hey, man, you good? Do you have someone? Do you know someone here? Do you know how someone to do you have a place to sit? Cool. All right. Um, or being like, yo, you good today? Why come over here? Like, come talk to me for a minute. Like, and starting to build those communities, those tables, those groups of kids and helping them to find one another. That's what I'm talking about. That's the number one thing I'd be looking at. Because you get to be an opportunity instead of just lost in the sauce, too. Um, okay. Uh, Got one more? I mean, do you want to do you want to address that or no? Um, you don't have to read it out loud. Yeah, let's. I can do that. Okay. All right, Jeff Noon. Uh, Noonan, uh, what do you what do you both do now? He left teaching to do this for other teachers. I never saw the video live. So there's a te there's a video on YouTube called "I Quit Teaching," um, and this is a there's actually a follow up video that I'm planning to come out for this because uh, there's just been some questions and stuff and and a lot of mixed uh, understanding in that video. People yeah. people often think that the video is you quit because you couldn't handle the school anymore, Facts. like and your classroom, and you just couldn't handle teaching. So I'll tell you this: I just couldn't not. handle my school anymore, but that's because it, I, you know, I would I would offer anyone else that's had six your, principals in three years. Your school was mayhem, but your class was on. But my but it wasn't just the behaviors; it was illegal stuff. I'm just going to say things that were happening illegally that things weren't being done about. Um, there were, uh, there was all kinds of unethical behavior happening. So it wasn't that I didn't want to teach anymore. It's that I felt that this was my push and this was my opportunity after doing this work for seven years at six years at that point, uh, six or seven years. Um, that this was the time to to see is this intuition to pour into teachers full time because look i was teaching um 10 hours a day sometimes longer then coming home and from six to midnight doing this every night for six years is exhausting so it was like what if this got the best part of my day so now we are creating YouTube content. We are creating workshops. We are creating a whole lot of stuff on the back end, like resources and things like that, that we're building out right now. Um, I have a book that came out. I do speaking engagements and trainings and professional developments for school, but um, I've sat through a lot of professional developments and they suck. So I'm trying to bring, I'm trying to bring this work that we're doing online to schools to just try and really meet teachers where they are and help them in a way that I think only a teacher can understand. And so I think there's a lot of misconceptions around folks. And I got asked this a lot when I left the classroom, like would I still be, would still be relevant 
um, since I wasn't in the classroom anymore. Um, and yeah, I think that like ask, you know, any college professor that's not doing stuff. I just think that there's, that, that's a silly argument because I, I had wildly successful classes for almost 20 years in the classroom in some really difficult neighborhoods with no resources or anything. In broken um, schools, right? Yeah. Like, and I see that, I see that effort. So, I mean, I see the people that I work with and I see that how well it works and I see them having success. Um, and some of the people in here, they said last week that they tried some stuff in class Someone and it started off that. their, someone said it today. Yeah. Uh, they said they agreed with um, you and sil with silliness and that they tried um, some of the tactics that they've learned here in their student teaching and had great success, even though their CT, which I'm, I guess the, the classroom teacher, like who observed yeah. them or was it or whatever, however that works, um, kind of had an issue with it as well. Yeah. Like bringing sillinesses. And I'll tell you this, here, here's where hard. it comes down to for me. Um, and not to say that Jeff is kind of like questioning this at all. Like, no, I don't he actually know said, um, yeah. it feels like you have a larger impact doing this. So Jeff, I would say this, that, and I, I talk about this on a limited capacity because I, I know it's off putting for folks, but, but even that I don't, I'm not super, super concerned about, um, I feel like the work I've always been given to do, buddy, has been stuff that's been given to me to do. Mm -hmm. And so as a person of faith, um, I've always tried to, and I talked about this in my quitting video, I've always tried to follow Jesus with reckless abandon, meaning um, when Jesus calls you to get out of the boat, you try. And even if you sink, you are, you, you are, you are walking in faith that the thing you're doing is right. And I don't need anyone to to confirm that or affirm that or believe that for me, that I can feel it. Just when I knew it was yes. like to teach, when I knew I wanted to be, I knew I wanted to be a clown. I knew that at that season of my life, that's what I wanted to do. Someone just said, what, what clown, what the hell <laughs> is that? What he just said, did he just say a clown? He did. He also wanted to be a monk and lived in a monastery for just a little while. Um, that I've done any number of things in my life that seemed out of the ordinary or odd or counterintuitive to any number of people. But when you're walking in faith, that is, that's what that looks. It looks like, what are you doing? Why are you getting out of the boat? Now, look, Peter didn't get out of the boat and skip across the water. It was all super fun, right? My man end up sinking. Um, and Jesus had to save him again, but it's, that's what, that's what I'm doing. That's yeah. I'm trying to have that kind of faith walk. Yeah, absolutely. So you got one more. Uh, no, there is no more. All right, actually. Cool, cool. Because the podcast is too long and I had to upload it myself last week. Oh, Jake no. moved and it was impossible. <laughs> Christina or, uh, Kristen said there, uh, there's a face in the trees. It looks like baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, goodness. Look at this place where we are. It is so beautiful. It's there, yeah. there's like one house across the street, but like there's nobody else anywhere else around. We just sit out here all the time. It is incredible. It's been um, we've been canoeing and, uh, <laughs> kayaking we went on nature hike today uh stuff that i just it is you know what it is it is a reminder that i need to be doing more of this stuff um and so as some of you are getting ready to start school for the first day tomorrow or you had your first week and maybe this is your first full day i just go go have the greatest time of your life and even if you can't mm. see it on your kids faces they don't always want to show you they're having fun ninth grade wants to look like we don't really care we're too cool i don't I, that's I don't what birdie gave us today he's like i don't want to go on a hike yeah. he was miserable but he had and such then, a great time and then he had a freaking great time so kids you don't know what's happening inside you can't always show on the outside what you're what you're seeing what you're feeling right it's it's too much vulnerability 
But I just pretend that they love it on the inside. Go and have the greatest week of your life. If we can do anything, please reach out and let us know. Go to our Facebook group um, and sign up for that. There's all these great people that are in the comment section. They're all over there doing the same thing. So, um, yeah, and if there's anything you need from us, you can just hit us up at realrapwithreynolds at gmail.com. We'd be happy to help with anything we can. Yeah. Have a great, a great week. Maisha, first day tomorrow of her 25th year. So awesome. Maisha, say hi to Milk Toast for us. All right, gang. I don't even, that might be offensive. I don't really know what that word really means, but I said it anyway. What's Milk Toast? I'll tell you later. Okay. Peace. <laughs>